Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Shut the fuck up. The final cue to fucking. One thing I generally want to avoid with this episode is to make people feel like a freak. That is not my intention and that is not my prerogative. That is something that should not happen. And the reason I say that is because this is a topic talking about something that's very private to most of us individuals. And um, just understand that when I use the word normal, that's a completely statistical concept. It doesn't mean that it's unhealthy or if it's the opposite of that or abnormal, that it's unhealthy or worth discouraging. Normal when a statistical concept is talked about, it's just something that most people end up doing or something that happens to most people. For example, if you go to the 17th century or like earlier, then casteism and sati was normal in that time. It's not necessarily a good practice or moral or ethical. So understand that distinction between normal and the other adjectives that are uh, uh, assigned to it, which is unhealthy, worth discouraging, immoral. And so that's that. Let's just jump into it. I knew that I was going to need a psychological expert for this episode, but I couldn't get one because of the lockdown. Then there's, again, I was going to do a sex ed class, but that doesn't work because, well, most people have that education in my audience. And secondly, uh, even if I did it, I knew I'd be bad at it because I'm not trained in it. And it's a very important step. I don't want people skipping over because they've seen my video. And uh, if I do a bad job, then they're stuck. So this is more of a conversation. And I'll try to get the psychology bit wrapped up as soon as I can, because it's inescapable when we're talking about this. But we'll be talking about something more interesting, which is literature review and how art and literature has recorded our understanding of sex and how we talk about sex as a society. So most of the sources that I will list, like the one source that I will talk about is Justin Lemiller, um, a psychological researcher who did a study in America. He has a book called Tell Me What You Want, which talks about 4,200 people to whom he talked about sex. And uh, he found out their fantasies and how they think about sex and what they talk about sex. About 97% of them said that they had a sexual fantasy and about half of them said that they had a sexual fantasy every day. That's how common it is to think about sex. And he believes that these could be at least generalized to the Western world, if not uh, all of the world. And well, that's a significant part, I would suggest. And um, that's that. And when he did his research, he came across an observation that most of the fantasies that people had are reducible to three labels, one of them being group sex, another one being scenarios or like I like to call it scenario sex he called it novelty and the third one being power and dominance the third one is where we'll be spending most of our time because of my interest in it the first one is pretty simple more than two people having sex which is the conventional number involved in the activity and uh, the one number the one word he came across was threesomes or three people having sex and the reason that he could attribute it to and the same way my brain works is that most people want to be the center of attention, whether they like to admit it or not. That is a tendency that we possess as humans and wanting that kind of attention from two people at the same time is 
not only arousing but rewarding and that's great i guess not to mention that there is another social hierarchy that's built in into some of our institutions which sort of percolates into an individual's identity and even an individual's thought where who they have sex with and how is sort of uh, a reward system or a social trophy for them which is not necessarily healthy i would suggest that it could be problematic in spaces at least socially but some people know how to practice it so who am i to say there's that there's people wanting to be wanted which is what group sex is all about and of course young people experiment with this but his study suggests that most people in 40s 50s and 60s have this uh, interest in threesomes and mostly because well they they've been in a monogamous routine or whatever but that's a tendency he's uh, seen across all sexual orientations and most genders at least the ones present or representative in his study which is pretty good achievement and a fairly good reading moving on the second one is novelty or scenario sex as i like to call it most people want novelty or different things to happen while they're having sex public sex being one of the most prominent ones or the biggest ones like the biggest uh, fantasies uh, out there and the reason there is of course um the same as why spy novels are so happening is because these things don't happen to normal people <laughs> or not pe- normal people can't do it every day and of course there's a danger of you know being caught and being shunned by society which sort of makes it more exciting non conformities deemed to be sexy because contrast from society is something we find interesting that that is how attraction works there's a reason why bright colors attract us because they stand out from the rest of their background if everything's bright then dull colors attract us which is sort of again a black sheep type of things which is why bad boys sort of get attention if there's a, there's all good boys if there's only bad boys then the good boys stand out that's sort of how it works i used boys for an example for the reason for some reason it's not it could you could generalize it to every, everything there's a reason why some haircuts were popular in the 80s that would nobody would fall for now so there's that and the third one is power and domination which i'm extremely interested in because there's so much literature here and sex like most things in society can boil down to this and to be fair a lot of sex is about power and domination which is not surprising at all to me at least uh, as a student of psychology when i was doing it and um when i talk about power and domination even when i just bring up the subject of sexual fantasies in the description i know most of you thought about bdsm an acronym that stands for bondage discipline sadomasochism um let's break it down bondage is a fairly easy word which is tying somebody up and then discipline which is giving commands and receiving commands or you know um the activity of asking somebody to surrender their autonomy and taking orders from them sadism or sado ultimately coming from the word sadism which interestingly comes from this man's name whose name is marquis de sade marquis de sade was a was a writer active during the french revolution and he talked about sexual liberation quite a lot and one of the one of the reasons why he's attached or his name is attached directly with the meaning of deriving pleasure from inflicting pain on somebody else is because he wrote a book called 120 days of sodom where um, they like 
libertines lock themselves up in castles with their victims and they take notes from veteran prostitutes as to how torture and have sex with these men well, a lot of sodomies involved in that sex and they sort of derive pleasure from hurting these young, uh, these people who are their victims and some of them die in it it gets pretty dark but at the same time it gets pretty kinky as well by kinky i am taking the medium webster understanding of it kinky means having unconventional taste in sex at the time it was unconventional to derive pleasure from inflicting pain or at least admitting to derive pleasure from inflicting pain this is a little different from schadenfreude schadenfreude is deriving pleasure from somebody else's pain you're not involved in inflicting that pain necessarily but you are there present witnessing the pain and that's what's giving you joy so understand that difference sadism is inflicting pain on somebody and deriving pleasure from it and then there's masochism masochism is receiving pleasure in receiving pain and this was actually coined by dr r v krafenbing i'm pretty sure i'm butchering that pronunciation and he actually took it from another gentleman whose name was leopold von sackermasoch that's what i think that's what it's called he he was austrian and he wrote a lot about humanist and social uh, socialist philosophy as well but what stuck to him was his writing about masochism a uh, more particularly a book called venus in furs i think it's a austrian title it's a story about a man convincing a more dominant prominent woman who runs a brothel to be to make him her slave and well sexual interactions between them and he's associated with masochism ever since so there you have it the entire kink being somebody enduring punishment pain and pleasure and somebody inflicting pain punishment and ple- uh, pleasure and sort of this give and take of submission and domination which creates a dynamic which people enjoy and um, that's sort of where uh, like it has a public view now um, if you don't know mommy pawn is filled with it i think one of the earlier series was called cross which is still not famous but the one that brought it to uh, limelight was 50 shades of gray with its internet sensation and how people got a view of uh, bdsm in the way that they did uh but it's been around forever and leather has been uh, associated with it ever since the 1940s uh, biker gangs were ha- uh, ha- havens for you know uh gay dudes to get together at the time and then it really came forward in the 80s and then there's an entire history i'm not going to get into that culture i'm just interested in what it says about society it's that when especially masochism as a as an orientation or as a thing that people enjoy it was called perversion from regular sexual practice by dr dr rv krafenberg because he was talking about it in a medical forensic study which was a very detached pragmatic approach to understanding sex in his time which is where he attached this label to um masochism of perversion but now we know that it's not all that rare at least in america and not even here and that sort of is very interesting because power dynamics exist outside of sex as well for example your boss has power over you not don't th- think about it in a sexual category yet the first and foremost power dynamic comes across in your house your parents or your primary uh, caretakers which means they have power over you and that's why it's very interesting that even in india like the rest of the globe 
three of the six um, porn categories that are really popular on Pornhub are MILF, mom, and uh, stepmom, I think, or mommy porn, whatever. So across the globe, and of course, we all know about the daddy kink, which is uh, a fair or an, uh, at least at least a recognizable number of women enjoying a patriarchal label to their sexual partner and again which is a, a power dynamic and that's that's very interesting to me because freudian psychology also hints at that that you will seek um, your parent in your sexual partner which is not surprising at all your, your parents are your first role models uh, not necessarily true though there is a fair bit of understanding that freud was going through oedipus complex and he wanted to uh, fondle his mother uh if you catch my drift and that's why he bled it into his research and really insinuated on that but not necessarily false either because there is consistent observation about that but most of it may come from power dynamics now this is where it led me into a very 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 risky territory but um, i was going to not talk about it uh but here i go anyway is about forced sex even in uh, dr lack lemeler yep Dr Justin Lemeler's uh, study about 38% of uh, the entire group sort of said that they were they had pictured themselves into a forced sex fantasy across all of them and about 4% to 10% of all of them were the ones wanting to be forcing the sex now understand that nobody here wants to be raped the way sexual fantasies work is that or the way sex in general works and i hope you knew this is because is that you want sex from somebody there is a very particular person you find sexually attractive and that's the person you want to have sex with and if that person in a scenario where both of you have come to an understanding that this is fine if is excessively forceful in having sex is enjoyable to you because of a power dynamic that is established between the two of you eventually and that's how people looked at it but forced sex sort of came across as a loophole in erotic novels which is where it got it got very interesting for me um i'm just going to read out some names christine monson kathleen e wood woodwis woodywis sheila o'hallian laura parker rosie rosemary rogers Johanna Lindsay, Connie Mason, Beatrice Small, Jane Kong Spies, Julia Fitzgerald, Jennifer Wilde and Andrea Layton were some of the British and American writers, all of them women, who mostly wrote about rape fantasies turning into love stories. And I would I would dare you to drink every time the word fury or slave or savage comes across in these titles. I mean some of them are pretty hilarious to be honest and I have to go th- through some of them because uh, I was researching and now my google history is forever tainted and probably the FBI like whatever government official is taking care of my my uh, surveillance is judging me hard as to what happened here like some of the titles are called the flame and the flower which is fine but then we go on to sweet savage love or tender fury or royal slave or love's tender fury or love tenders love tender slaves all of them are about strong unfamiliar men from savagery territories for example uh, 
the book uh the royal slave is just beauty and the beast but in a sexual context and he's not a beast he's a man is exactly what it is so so while the rapture is basically tarzan but with the um sex in it like a sexual fantasy involved with tarzan and in these cases like at least the context of time would dictate that most of these rape fantasies were for people to justify premarital sex and sort of enjoying that uh for a good woman or a rootable character because an evil woman would have sex outside marriage that was those were the victorian values when these novels were written not necessarily the norm at the time at least the women had to maintain their uh, chastity men on the other hand could slip uh, that's how it worked back then not to say that it's very different in our country now there are some people who believe that men slip and women are uh you know taken over it's, all of the blame is put on the women it's quite sad to be honest and that sort of victorian idea of sex was inherited by in india not to say that we didn't have bold literature or even erotic literature we've had erotic li- literature in almost all languages a lot of it directed at very particular uh, audiences um but a lot of it was also fairly controversial where people got dragged to court or people got shunned or people got their face blackened in public but the problem with indian literature is that a lot of it is not the pulp fiction that public con- consumes at least the one ones that i came across um a lot of sexual overtones are present in uh say ismat chuktai's uh, writing who wrote lehaf a story about well child rape uh but also about how her uh, aunt and her uncle were actually queer people residing in a marriage like finding refuge in a marriage where she would find her uh, her servant attractive and they would have sex and he would get students and use his position as a professor to get boys around him which were pretty and have sex with them for their degrees not necessarily uh, ethically and that's sort of how it went is is the portrayal that her story put then of course there's um, kamla das and her books uh, in this in this realm which is less pulp fictiony but at the same time uh, very bold and controversial and then comes uh, madhuri banerjee i believe her name is who wrote a book titled losing my virginity and other mistakes where of course the end message is that virginity lust and love are completely different aspects and they have no correlation to each other you could love somebody and lust after somebody else completely that is possible not necessarily a balance that most people can find but it is a balance that you can find if you um do some critical thinking and um quite a lot of sex in that but pulp fictiony uh, eroticas i found a name that is chetna khanna uh i think she's still writing most of her writing showed a very very weird sign of a uh of a new age post colonial feminist writer is that a lot of her books not all of them less than 50% but a lot of them a recurring theme was how there was a woman let down by the men in her life and finding refuge within another man or another woman or in casual sex and then of course orgies at parties and things like that were written uh, by her uh, that concludes that now coming to more popular versions of uh, media where sex is consumed 
I wouldn't talk about Hollywood because you can Google that. And to be honest, I'll save that for another episode, probably episode 69, 69, who knows. Um, but in India, most of it was through print media, like Playboy magazine. There was a, a low budget pornographic industry, even in India, it still exists to this date. I don't know who watches it or who consumes it. Uh, but one of the most popular categories of porn in India is uh, Mallu Aunty which is not surprising to me at all uh, and it has a huge industry from what I understand but when it comes to mainstream media and this is a very interesting one I don't remember who it was or where it was but this was in the past four years a medical student um, as young as me at the time which is 19 or 20 told me that one of the things that they call in like medical supplances, at least one of his seniors uh, who was in final year used to call was mandakini gauze. If you know what gauze is, what people put on injuries to seal them up or whatever. And mandakini gauze is basically wet gauze. And the reason is because mandakini, an actress, was uh, extremely wet in a sari in a movie called Ram Teri Ganga Meli, which is Ram your reverse dirty. And that's where it comes from. And most of Indian masturbation fantasies about uh, sex symbols have come from Bollywood and, well, unfortunate objectification or, you know, uh, extremely shameless objectification of women or at least what it seems to be shameless objectification of women in Indian cinema. Zenat Aman, Kimi Katkar, Mamta Kulkarni are just some of the names that come to mind where People were actually shocked as to how much of their body was exposed and they were actually popular for that. People would go to these movies to um, enjoy this sort of content. Uh, but it was very Victorian at the time. We we actually, as a country, um, sort of inherited the Victorian tendencies of the West or more particularly the British and we never let them go. We held on to those uh, like real champions. And then, of course, uh, the modern day has Malika Sharavat, at least in the 2000s, which uh, sort of led into that. But then the internet changed a lot of it. The early 90s is where you see the signs of pornography entering the country. Savita Bhabi is one of the names that comes up. Now, Savita Bhabi is actually a cartoon character or a cartoon pornographic series about how a largely ignored Bhabi, that is the wife of your elder brother, uh, who's busy doing her home chores, finds younger men to prowl on or even sometimes older uh, men to prowl on or even women who they have sex with uh, and they're on prowl on the prowl for sex with, well, these men and that's what these pornographies, pornographic uh, comic finds. Which is interesting because at least in India, a maternal figure is so fetishized uh, because another one is Venamala, if I'm not wrong, who's an actual mother, which again ties into the MILF category, where strong women are so adorned and appreciated and uh, praised. But at the same time, we have a long history of misogyny, which I think is a sort of reverse thing. Like it's a it's two messages being sent at the same time. That's how that's how it manifested. Of course, uh, post 2005, the talk about sex has been a lot freer it has been uh, a le lot less destigmatized as we grow older which is great thank god uh, but it used to be a lot more victorian before this and that took a lot of toll on on the way we talked about sex and 
the point of this episode is if you feel that you're kinky just talk to somebody most likely they're kinky as well both of you could feel like freaks together uh, in that moment and then it'll go away because you're not really freaks because sexually fa- sexual fantasies don't mean much most people will find something novel attractive in the first go but doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person for wanting to do it even though it's a it's a bad thing to do i hope my air quotes were uh, clear enough in that situation um just do some critical thinking weigh out the consequences for everybody see if there's a end victim here see if the, if there's enthusiastic consent provided and you should be good meanwhile um find yourselves you know the drill like share subscribe share it shamelessly people are in quarantine they can listen to my podcast now hopefully <laughs> um not real tears please give attention very attention hungry and um support me on patreon if you think the content is worth it if i'm act- if you believe i'm doing a good job um and well yeah see you next time bye